This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. Up next, we are looking at what the Budget 2023 has to offer, specifically when it comes to women. Um, obviously, something that has um, often come up as uh, rather lacking. And that's true because, you know, I mean, you think of male-dominated governments, uh, it's not surprising that women uh, are not in the room. And when they're not in the room, their issues don't get uh, highlighted. Uh, you'd expect that a politician of the 21st century would be gender sensitive, in which case you don't really have to have a woman in the room, but everybody is on the same page when it comes to the needs of women. So for what it's worth, when we look at Budget 2023, uh, a number of things um, are included. Uh, we will have a guest join us after this to break down the various components. But what stands out? Financial support for mothers. There's also financial support for working women. Uh, there is also a focus on health programs and health support when it comes to uh, women and women's issues. So we want to hear from you. Um, what would you like to see when it comes to financial initiatives and incentives for women? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. In the meantime, uh, joining us on the line is Anis Farid, Research and Advocacy Officer at the Women's Aid Organisation. Anis, thanks for joining us today. Let's start with an overview. What are some of the main concerns or challenges for women that Budget 2023 aims to address? Okay, um, thank you for having me. Um, so to answer the question, some of the main challenges that Blanja One 2023 aims to address um, primarily for women was women's labor force participation. Uh, so Malaysia's labor force participation rate for women has been stagnant at around 55% for a few years, uh, though the government has stated a goal of reaching 59% by 2025. So uh, we are a little bit behind. Uh, we also have one of the lowest labor force participation rates for women in ASEAN. And part of the reason why this is a main concern or challenge that the government wants to address is because we would have a healthier economy if more women participated in the formal labor market. Um, so they attempted to address this issue in a few ways. The first is through directly addressing women's employment and work opportunities. So for example, we saw um, a 290 million ringgit allocation, which aimed to encourage women to return to the workforce after long maternity leave by ensuring 80% of their salary value. Uh, we also saw another allocation for 300 million for 300 million ringgit, uh, which was announced to support micro businesses by women and youth entrepreneurs. The other way that the government aims to address this issue is to address the potential barriers that women face when they're trying to access formal employment, such as a lack of childcare. And they did this through tax reliefs as well as allocations to ministries and agencies to set up childcare centers on premises, things like that. So what kind of consultation took place before these initiatives were included in Blanja 1 2023? Um, so usually there are a few levels and layers that the Ministry of Finance or MOF undertakes. So there are internal ministry processes uh, where other ministries will submit to MOF their proposed allocations. So there's that level of consultation and back and forth. 
Um, simultaneously, there's also external consultations. So this includes consultations with industry players, civil society organizations, and so forth through national dialogues, and also um, a submission portal for budget recommendations. There's also a portal for the general public, uh, but it's important to note that while there are all of these avenues, it's not always possible to take into consideration everyone's requests and demands. But over the past few years, we have seen that MOF does want more civil society and public input into the budget because ultimately the budget is a tool for the empowerment of the rakyat. Um, however, the budget could benefit from having a more comprehensively integrated gender lens through gender responsive budgeting or GRB. So when we talk about GRB, we're not just talking about a budget that caters to women's needs, but considers the cross-cutting implications of a budget allocation. So looking at how someone's gender, age, disability status, employment status, um, where they live, whether they are in an urban or rural area, would impact their ability to access the budget. So GRB is a way to advocate for a budget that considers the specific needs of people and uses the budget as a tool to bridge the gaps that arise from societal inequalities. So um, the Gender Budget Group, which is co-led by Engender Consultancy and Women's Aid Organization, or WAO, includes over 20 civil society organizations and 18 academics advocating for GRB. And what we usually do um, on top of the external consultations that we're invited to is we usually submit a budget memorandum straight to MOF. And a budget memorandum is just a list of proposed budget allocations that is usually backed by data and evidence for why the allocation is needed and how much money would be an appropriate amount to allocate. We will continue our conversation with Anis Farid, Research and Advocacy Officer at WAO. After this, we're talking about what Budget 2023 has, uh, particularly for women. Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this, so keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Backing Feminist Movements, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.15. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're continuing our conversation on Budget 2023 and what it holds for women. And joining us for that is Anis Farid, Research and Advocacy Officer at the Women's Aid Organization. Anis, uh, picking up where we left off, we also want to talk about supporting mothers. So what sort of specific measures are tailored towards mums, both in general as well as to support them in continuing to work or to return to work? Uh, so there was the 290 million uh, ringgit allocation, um, which was for salary matching grants um, to encourage 130,000 women to return to work through SOXO amending its act to give grants equivalent to 80% of the insured worker's salary. So this is the first time that we've really seen a stated amount specifically allocated for women for a return to work program in the past few years. Um, and specifically targeting those who had taken maternity leave. So previously, both in budget 2021 and 2022, what we saw was that the government was providing salary incentives for those who hired women who had been out of the workforce for a year or were housewives or single mothers. But this was a blanket allocation for generally marginalized people. So it also included people with disabilities, ex-convicts and orang asli. So on some level, this is um, this strategy of specifically targeting women taking maternity leave is good because it can support um, employers who are struggling to implement the 98 days of maternity leave. 
But it's also different in that it's targeting a different group of women than previously when the focus was on women who had been who had not been formally employed um, in a year or were single mothers or housewives. And these people arguably would be facing different barriers when they're trying to access formal employment. Um, to date, though, with this particular 290 million ringgit allocation, I haven't been able to find what the impact of the allocation has been for bringing women back to work. But I think it'd be super important to have this information publicly available, um, especially to address concerns like, was this enough money? Did it reach the women that we wanted to reach? Because this can inform future gender responsive budget allocations. Now, as we know, the cost of health care and child care have gone up significantly. What kinds of subsidies or tax relief are available? Um, so mostly through budget 2023, um, what was provided for were tax reliefs for both child care and uh, health care. So, for example, with child care, we saw tax reliefs of up to 3,000 ringgit annually. Um, but this was only specifically for parents who sent their kids to child care centers that were registered with the Social Welfare Department or with the Ministry of Education. Um, civil servants, though, did receive an additional subsidy of 180 ringgit per month um, for nursery fees. Um, healthcare, on the other hand, what we saw were tax reliefs of up to 10,000 ringgit and an additional 4,000 ringgit for parents of children with disabilities who are seeking medical treatment. Um, so given that the childcare and healthcare subsidies or um, allocations were given as tax reliefs, there's always a question of who does this actually help because tax reliefs would only benefit those who actually pay taxes. Um, so people like informal workers and those earning below a certain amount um, annually, these people, they wouldn't benefit and they may actually be the ones who need access to childcare and healthcare the most. So there have also been concerns about how to ensure that homemakers are cared for financially, which is where the housewife social security scheme uh, comes into play. Tell us more about this. Okay, so the housewife social security scheme was set up to allow members of a housewife's family including her husband, but not just her husband, to make monthly contributions to protect the housewife against injuries when she's undertaking housework. So on some level, this scheme is actually quite good um, in helping recognize the unpaid care work that are performed by housewives, um, where unpaid care work can be understood as caring for members of the family and also the housework that maintains their well-being, such as cooking and cleaning. But um, with this scheme, it explicitly genders care work as feminine by calling it a housewife scheme. And on some level, I think that's disappointing as well because it legitimizes the societal expectations that care work is the duty of women when it should be a collective responsibility that's shared by men as well. Um, also, unfortunately, there's actually been low uptake uh, of this particular scheme, and it might be because this is something that family members have to opt into. They have to actively give the housewife. And it's not a right that she has just by being a housewife that is performing all of these domestic duties at home. Um, and the lack of uptake might actually be a reflection that the scheme might not be consistent with the realities on the ground. Uh, maybe people don't understand the value of it or they just don't know that it exists. Um, the scheme is applicable to those who are both full-time or part-time housewives, but a lot of households are dual-income families um, where the women are still disproportionately shouldering the care work despite the fact that they are also undertaking um, full-time paid work. This is what's known as the double burden. Um, so maybe what needs to be done to improve participation in this scheme is that schemes like these, um, they need to be more in touch with the needs of Malaysians moving forward. So what measures have been taken to ensure that overall these initiatives are inclusive and reach women and families who need it most? 
Uh, so in theory, the layers and levels of consultations that MOF undertook is meant to ensure um, some level of inclusivity. Uh, but how this practically translated is difficult to say because we don't have clear monitoring mechanisms and indicators to actually hold the government accountable. Um, so, for example, WAO and other civil society organizations that are grassroots have put forth recommendations, which the government considers every year. But to assess how effective an allocation is, you must look at how the most marginalized are impacted. Um, so to effectively apply for new policies, you need to closely monitor your previous ones. And sometimes these numbers are not always publicly available, which makes the monitoring difficult. Um, what would be most effective in reaching the most in need would be to evaluate every allocation based on previous years and measure what the gender impact of that is. What are you going to be pushing for when it comes to Budget 2024? Um, so for Budget 2024, WAO is going to be pushing for elements of gender across the board, not just for women. Um, for example, we will be pushing for a bigger healthcare budget allocation. We'd also like to see increased gender sensitivity training across all frontliners who are responding to gender-based violence, um, such as police officers and medical practitioners. I think with the recent cases of women being turned away from one-stop crisis centers and police stations have really demonstrated that we need to prioritize how to respond and understand violence against women through the budget. Um, on a wider scale, I think uh, we also would like to see a more nuanced and broader understanding of care. Uh, what we can see from Budget 2023 and even just discussions happening with regards to the care economy in Malaysia is that we know childcare responsibilities can hinder women's participation in the formal labor market. But what about other forms of care? Um, the unpaid care work that women are expected to shoulder is more than just childcare. Um, it's also care for elderly parents, for example, as we are a fast aging nation. And it's also the little tasks in between physically caring for another person, like cooking for them, cleaning for them, doing groceries for them, taking them to appointments or school. These are all little things that add up to create time poverty for women who want to participate in the formal labor force, but cannot because they're expected to be the caregivers of their family. Um, and research has shown that like housework tasks like cooking and cleaning, they have more detrimental effects on the availability of, of women to perform paid work than child care or elder care. Um, and housework is actually where we can see the larger gender gap because nowadays men do contribute to child care and elder care. But there's also a tendency for men to partake in the tasks that are considered more fun, like playing with the children. Um, but research has also shown simultaneously that increasing men's share of chores enhances women's employment and working hours. Um, globally also, uh, for example, there was a recent report that came out um, called the State of World's Fathers Report. What we see is that there is a trend where men are shifting towards endorsement, that care is a collective responsibility. So what we would need is our policies and allocations to begin reflecting this. Um, there needs to be a holistic, gender-sensitive, life course approach to care that is supported by the budget. Um, there also needs to be an effort to reach the furthest first. Uh, so a lot of times budget allocations for childcare and for women are given in a blanket way that does not consider the intersectional identities of the recipients. So what you'll need will differ if you are a B40 woman versus if you're a T20 woman versus if you're a woman with a disability and so forth. And the budget needs to take these into consideration. Um, if the ultimate goal is to support women's formal labor force participation, I would argue that you need to center a comprehensive and nuanced definition of care to achieve this goal, um, one that 
considers the full breadth of unpaid care duties that women have to shoulder. Anis, do you have a final message for us? It's gender responsive budgeting is crucial to ensuring that the budget meets not just women's needs, but also the needs of the community and families. Um, the gender element, it exists in all aspects of the budget, from who the target audience is to how they access government programs at the end of the day. And that's why it's so important to consciously integrate this into the budget. Um, and finally, centering care as a need that must be responded to can be crucial in understanding some of the current gaps and inequalities that we see in society, especially for women. Anis, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Anis Farid, Research and Advocacy Officer at WAO, um, speaking to us about Budget 2023, particularly in terms of uh, initiatives for women. Uh, let us know, uh, do you think, what else would you like to see when it comes to financial support for women? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.